Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Drag is the new spandex, subtitled All Queens and Me. Now, <laughs> I'm your host, Oral. Everybody knows that. Hi, everyone. I've got Brian with me. Hi, Brian. Hello. I have Pat. Hi, Pat. Hey, Oral. Now, everyone, our very special guest today performs regularly at Stonewall, which, you know, is a near and dear place to my heart, because every time I show up there, I get wasted and nobody <laughs> judges me. We have the lovely and talented Chrysanthemum. Hi! Hello! Hi, Chrysanthemum. How are you? Fabulous. How are you? I'm very well, thank you for asking. So I hope you don't ask me about RuPaul, because I know nothing. <laughs> well, that's fine. We don't <laughs> I see, haven't watched the whole season. See, so. I'm not the only one who's delinquent. It's not that like... doesn't make me delinquent. <laughs> <laughs> you just chose not to watch? I'm boycotting. Okay. We'll get into that later because I feel like there's a good reason for that. And anytime I feel like there's a good reason for something, chances are somebody got slapped or ho chapped. <laughs> so, for those of you who aren't familiar with our format or um, have never listened to Flame On or have never listened to me, steer this Hindenburg down to the ground. There's, there's, there's a method to my madness. It's a free-flowing show. So, like, if you've never heard us before, it's totally okay. Because it's, like, a first time for me, too. <laughs> Chances are I was drunk during all of the recordings. Um, I don't want to remember my first time. <laughs> oh. I wish I did. Pretty. 
Eric doesn't remember <laughs> all those eons ago. Um, Train, back on track. Come <laughs> okay, on. Okay, I'm back. So the obligatory is Chrysanthemum. When did you decide, you know what? Drag queen. I'm going to be that one day. Um, well, there was this one time I was about eight years old um, and got into my mother's makeup and wardrobe and wigs and... Yes, my mother had wigs. She was from the 60s, so it was fabulous. And, of course, realized at eight years old, you can't, you know, do that at that age. So um, 10 years later, um, I met up with some people that were drag queens, and it all, the balls started rolling. So, like, um, you, you turn 18, a decade after you get into drag for the first time. First time in drag, right. up at a ball. And, um, like, where where did you start doing drag first? Like, what what part of the country? Here in Orlando. Oh, sweet. Okay, so what yeah. was drag like when you started? Was it as... Booger. Really? Seriously booger. Everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, Walgreens, you know, brand eyeshadow and <laughs> lipstick and, you know, really bad eyelashes and, you know, yeah. What was like, the venue that you performed at for the first time? City Lights. I've heard of City Lights. Yeah. I haven't. I believe trail. Chantel mentioned City Lights at that's, one point. She did. That's, uh-huh. We had met there. Gosh, so. that that's uh that was out on OBT. Yeah, down on the trail. Okay, classy establishment to be sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, it was a big complex. You had uh, City Lights and the Eagle and like the whole. I've heard about the Eagle. So that was that. Okay, so. Not to ask an actual age, but just approximate. Like what? What year around was this? Nineteen ninety. Okay, see that's not so bad. Um, we usually, in Oral's terms, we usually ask in terms of Whitney Houston's hairstyles. Okay, was she was she queen of the night yet? Oh no, this is uh, no, this is um, just after I want to dance with somebody. Okay. What was that? Her follow-up album where she did "My Name Is Not Susan." Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. I know there you are. Where we are. I, exactly I love "My Name Is Not Susan." Oh, okay, so it's the '90s in Orlando. Yes. Uh, you have Parliament House, you have the Eagle, and you have what was it called again? No, City Lights. City Lights. Okay. And then so you had Southern Nights. Okay, I remember Southern Nights. Yeah. I remember and going into Southern Nights. We had Big Bang. Big Bang. What Big was that? Bang. Big Bang down on Orange Avenue. Never heard of oh, this. By uh, Sam Singhouse and the Singhouse family. Was that more of a rave type thing? or was that? No, it was up? a little tiny, um, just cool downtown bar. I mean, this was this is when you had, let's see, what was it then? It was, it was after Orange Quarter. I guess, was it Barbarella then? Was okay. that, you had three bars on Orange Avenue. You had Oz, which is the Beecham Theater, mm-hmm. um, Big Bang, and Barbarella. Did, that was it. Did yes. Jane Fonda sometimes show up and do shows? I really hope sometimes Jane Fonda show up and do shows. No, but um, Jamie Lee Curtis did did show up and danced on the dance what? floor when she was filming a movie here. Yeah, she oh, stomped wow. on my toes because I tried to dance too close to her. <laughs> you know, funny story about Barbarella. I saw it at the age of like five or six. You know, because you know when your parents go to sleep and you're just up and you know that newfangled cable box is here. I was just like, this is really interesting. That is a very attractive mm-hmm. angel who's blonde, and they're just having sex. Mm-hmm. On. This is totally going to mess me up 15 years from now. And it did. Um, As did all of us. So how easy was it to do drag when you first started? 
like yes you know you you described it as booger so like everyone was trying to like feel their way to who they were like were you going through iterations of like what eventually became chrysanthemum or were you just you know putting on a wig putting on some pumps and just trying to to make an honest living well that's how it kind of started you know um yeah bad costumes and wigs and all that you know um eventually i learned some sense of style thank god um yeah but this is long before you know the days of youtube and the internet and all that so you know i had just what i could see in town you know and there were some great great performers you know in orlando at that time you know that were great role models for me um fortunately you know to help me Mm. make my way up you know and and learn the tricks who's your drag mother or did you, or did have, you have one? My, I, I tell everybody my real mother, Azalea. Really? Yeah, because she was kind of an icon of her own. So, and she really, I mean, her style was impeccable always. So, is that where your drag name comes from? That is. Ah, that's, that's, that's where yeah. chrysanthemum comes from. Is that's from cool. Azalea. I was at a party. Um, these were in the Firestone days, and I was um, more in Club Kid days then. Um, so I had donned this very vintage bathing suit with the flower bathing cap and channeling. Uh, As it fell follies, girl? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, so I was on my way out um, and went to a party beforehand. And uh, someone dubbed me that I should I should go by Chrysanthemum. Because my drag name at that time was Veronica Heathers. You know what? I I really like that name. Mm. I don't want to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it. It's it's done now. So. I'm done with this. I'm passing it. it I'm paying it forward. That's right. <laughs> I, I very much believe in paying it forward. So, so wait a minute. Let's back up. Orlando had a club kid phase? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I want to hear about this. What was that like? Um, Lots of drugs. Well, <laughs> that's exactly what I imagined it would be. <laughs> Lots of trucks. Oh, Lots yeah, of late night partying and early nineties here were crazy with the rave scene oh, yeah. and all that. Um, yeah, Firestone was huge for the club scene and you know, Southern Nights too and now yeah. was it were there parallels to what was going on in New York at the time or was there a very like distinct southern sort of like Orlando sort it of thing? It was definitely it? a mix. Mm-hmm. You know, um what was going on. You saw elements of what was going on in New York. At that time, um, I don't think probably as large mm-hmm. and over the top um, as what some of them were doing in New York, but we definitely had a presence. I mean, you you dodged a bullet because Eric, a funny story, found out that Eric from Flame On was at the parties with Michael Alec. Now, he did not personally know Michael Alec, or so he says. <laughs> And if I could actually get him drunk, he'd probably tell me all the stories. But he said we might have done eight balls in the same vicinity, but they actually did not party together. Okay. Um. So, question. So you you're doing drag. Was it like in my in my mind? You're going through like the the club kid era. You're you're figuring out Veronica Heather's and what what was she like compared to Chrysanthemum? Uh, besides polish um she was just a total mess 
completely. I, you know, I, I was coming from my post-punk stage, you know, goth, all that. So mm-hmm. I had my mohawk at one point and was donning all that kind of look and that kind of drag um, for a while, you know, and then evolved into doing club kid stuff, you know, in different different areas. I, you know, I was just trying everything out. I was trying all sorts of different looks with drag and mm-hmm. what worked and, you know, but I was doing a lot of colorful hair back then. You know, I still like my colorful hair. Pink's my favorite. <laughs> Mine you too. Know. Mine too. I feel like I just imagine you with like this sort of strawberry shortcake, <laughs> rainbow bright, Carrie, uh, Katy Perry like explosion going on. And I really want to <laughs> see pictures <laughs> now. I so desperately <laughs> want to see pictures. Um. So when did you start doing shows? Was it like shortly after? Because I'm always interested in that. You're trying out drag for the first time. You get a little comfortable, and then you go for shows. So my question is, when did you go from just starting out in drag and then actually performing as Veronica Heathers? Like some people say that they have, like, a kind of like an incubation period where they figure out who they are and then they perform as such. And some people just out of the gate start performing. So, like, how was that for you? Um, I just started playing around with doing drag and just kind of going out, you know, to different um, events in drag. Um, I'd done a few talent shows around town as Veronica Heathers. Um, but by the time I had actually transitioned into Chrysanthemum, then I started becoming more polished. And that's when I actually really started doing shows. Okay. I was as Chrysanthemum about the mid-90s. Okay. And, and describe uh, Chrysanthemum for our, our listeners. Like, what is Chrysanthemum oh. like? Crazy. This is crazy. She's a classy bitch. This is so I was going to say a crazy bitch, so you guys just combined both of my answers. She's a classy, crazy bitch. <laughs> you know. Um, she, is, it take, um, she takes a lot of her inspiration um, from old movie stars mm-hmm. um, and then melds that also into just different characters um, of... You know, various inspiration, you know. I like, I love Broadway. Um, so a lot of my inspiration is from Broadway, and I love sci-fi. So I mix all that together to to create like Chrysanthemum. I love sci-fi yeah. and Broadway. Okay. I want, you know what? There was a Dune production mm-hmm. that traveled across America. Uh, oh. And I begged my mother to go see it, and she told me no. And that's why that bitch is going into a home. First chance I get. Oh I'm waiting for Doctor Who the musical. <gasps> oh, my oh, God. Here we go. Oh, that would, you know what? For the Hurricane Who convention, that would be fabulous if you cause, if you, not you cosplay, drag cosplay. I don't even know what that would be, but that could be interesting. That could be. Ooh. Doctor Who themed drag. Yeah, really? no, yeah. it'd be crossplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> would be crossplay, unless she was like the first female doctor, chrysanthemum kind of thing. <laughs> Thanks in part to RuPaul's Drag Race, but due to you know people who you know did wig stock and everything like that, drag has been pushed into the forefront. Like each and every year, it, it's grown. And so now mainstream America has a working understanding of like what drag is. And so with that, and there are positives and negatives to that, but you have like the, the houses of drag, 
Like you have like the comedy queens, you have, you know, the pageant girls. Like where where do you think you or where would you say Chrysanthemum fits in into that that category? Or is she uncategorable? I, I definitely am more in the comedy queen genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am vying for um, the Miss Comedy Queen pageant um, in August. So I was first runner up at the Miss Sunshine State mm-hmm. um, Comedy Queen prelim. So I'm I'm going to two nationals for Miss Comedy Queen in August. What what's the process for that like? Like walk me through. First of all, where is it? It's at Parliament House. Oh sweet! So it's here in town. What you? Why have nobody August told me about this? August fourth and fifth. I will be there. So. I do love comedy. Yes. Um, so, like, how how would you start to prepare, or how have you prepared for this upcoming, you know, extravaganza uh, where you have to cut people left and right? Like, <laughs> you you don't have to cut people. You just have to be your best. Um, I just try to look at a very different take on different scenarios. Um. You know, you have your presentation, you have your talent, and you have your um, outrageous evening gown. So I just try to think, you know, what is the funniest, most outrageous thing that I can do, you know, and be completely different from everybody else. And mm-hmm. and, and the biggest thing is one of my biggest things when I'm on stage and I'm performing is I always want to give the audience something that they've never seen before. Do you like write your your jokes out? Do you just go off the cuff? Is it something that you like? I know like you plan what you look like and what you're going to do for you know like, certain pageants, but like, do you have like a time where you write things out and say, okay, this is where I'm going to say this or that or you know whatnot? Um, I prepare everything. I don't really if I'm emceeing, then I I pretty much go off the cuff. Um, but when I'm actually doing a number, um, it's all prepared more that I do like a little skit I take a song mm-hmm. um, and just take something that is just totally out there you know and make a skit out of it um, um, do you have like an example of that um, like I do um, one of my numbers is uh, Katy Perry's Wide Awake okay. and I do that dressed as Snow White and um, the kiss doesn't wake me up so the prince gives me the cocaine to <laughs> wake me up and I'm doing all this cocaine to stay wide awake throughout oh the whole God. song and it's crazy and bags of cocaine are flying everywhere and <laughs> I, I, I do a lot of cocaine jokes in my numbers <laughs> for some reason bags I don't know why chalk. bags of chalk <laughs> I yeah. really really would kill to see that <laughs> I just like wow she's at least done like an eight balls where she is just really going for it <laughs> Some, you know, drag is the new spandex is about like drag queens who like in the gay community and in their own lives have this secret identity, which is their like their day wear, their boy clothes, their street clothes. And then at night they do this fantastic Linda Carter-esque Wonder World that in my mind only takes like 20 seconds and then like the the fireworks go off and then you're all ready, you know, to go <laughs> face <laughs> beat, <laughs> shoes hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If only it were that easy. <laughs> I wish I could just twirl and it all appeared and was there. You know, no, it's a two hour process of going from boy to full drag. Mm, do you have like a ritual? Oh yeah. What's your ritual like? Um, um, <laughs> Can I really like, talk about this? Or? Yeah, no, sure. I am interested in okay, it. Okay, well, I have to masturbate first. Okay. See, no, that's <laughs> I have totally to get that out of the way. 
Well, if it's going to be tucked away for a while, <laughs> right. you need to make sure. Yeah, you know, I can't have any risk of, you know, and I do sometimes have men flirting with me while I'm in drag. So, you know, there can't be any risk of that popping out. So, <laughs> You know what? That is that is something that I'm going to take to the bank. Apparently, it's the Sperm bank. 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 But I will, I will remember that because... You know, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't either. That's, that's I great. Never it's thought of that. It's just become, you know, part of my routine. <laughs> so yeah, I do that. Then you know, it's the whole get in the shower and shave and de hair. And as you can see, I'm, you know, <laughs> taking a slight <laughs> hiatus. Yeah, I'm very hairy. So it's it that alone takes a good thirty minutes to do. So, um, yeah, de hair, um. And then it's, you know, start with the foundation and mm. put on the face and then put on the body and the hair and the dress and Thank grab you. the purse and run out the door because usually at that point I'm running about 30 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you usually, like, listen to music? Or are you, like, mentally oh, yeah. preparing for what you're about to do? Usually if I'm performing that night, then then I'm listening to whatever... You know, even though I've already rehearsed it like a hundred times at that point, mm-hmm. I still, I listen to my songs the whole time I'm doing my makeup. Okay. Definitely. So, who, oh, let's, this is a good one. Have you had any other like draglings, drag daughters, people you have sort of ushered into the industry, even if they're not officially drag daughters? Um, yeah, I, I've definitely, you know, um, taken a few, few girls under my wing and, you know, given them some advice and tips and, Help them out. Any particular that their way, you know, in the Orlando area, they're still performing, or um, there's a few girls still performing around town. Okay. You know. Um, now I know you. In addition to Stonewall, you've performed all over. Uh, I know you performed at Parliament for some of the recently. I think right some of the the Gidgets nights. Yeah, um, for Camp Drag, which is no more now. That's their talent night. Yeah. Um, I've done that. Um, back in the day, I've performed at Southern Nights and. Um, which is obviously no longer around. Um, I do Hamburger Mary's for their Broadway brunch. Okay. Occasionally I do guest stars there. So. Do you have, and I mean, obviously your home base is Stonewall and the Starlettes. The Starlets. Um, <laughs> is that your favorite place to perform? Do you have like a really preferred venue? If you, if you had your choice of venue in all of Orlando, you know, is that the best? That you like performing, um, or are there other places? I, I love, I like you said, Stonewall's my home, and I do love that. You know, um, I very loyal fans that come there, um, and loyal family there. Um, but Hamburger Mary's is actually one of my favorite um, to perform because it's, it's usually a much larger crowd, and the response is always really overwhelming and, Ooh, yeah. and very, you know, just touches my heart. You know, to mm-hmm. see because it's a different type of venue. So, like a lot of times, there's little kids there because um, families come in, bring their kids. You know, and when you have like a four year old come up to you and hug you and like, mm-hmm. you know, say they love you, it just really is like, wow, this is cool. This is the one part of it going mainstream that is amazing. You know, because when I started, it was so underground and it right. was you know so taboo. You mm-hmm. know, considering at the time. Um, so in aspects like that, I love that it's becoming more mainstream and that kids are growing up seeing it and seeing that, you know, it is okay. So there might be an eight year old out there right now who's like, they can start the drag career now. So by the time they're 18, they won't be a booger anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Start early, kids. That's right. Don't make the mistake I did. Start early. You know, it's, 
it's funny that you mention um like the the mix of crowd that you get at hamburger mary's because i was just uh just there for easter um and there was like a, a six-year-old girl whose parents brought her to what we assume is her first drag show and she was the belle of the ball like they yeah. loved her and she yeah. was just like the sweetest thing now i paid attention to her for a little bit but i had started on a bloody mary and then just switched to the mimosas mimosa madness sunday mm-hmm. or as oh, i like yeah. to call it bloody easter sunday, sunday because i was just <laughs> passed out drunk that's not important that's not important <laughs> to the show these people don't need to know how much i drink now you have been recently taking a sabbatical from drag for a few months i think at least right i have um par- partly to get ready for the pageant um i did recently move my home i moved back downtown so um that whole process was took a while and uh you know, I just needed to um, do some things for my health, um, you know, to take some time off and kind of regroup and, you know, get ready for the pageant. And during that time, you've been preparing for your you know stuff coming up, but did it give you a chance to really kind of step back and reassess all your drag and kind of like just really... Because I know sometimes you get gig after gig after gig and you're kind of always doing it. You don't have a lot of time to sit back and really look at what you're doing. Right. But is that giving you some time to really do that? It really has. Um, it's It's been nice. I mean, it's been nice to take some time off and, like, just, you know, have a, have a whole week, you know. And, like, I don't have to think about doing drag at all. I don't have to think about preparing a song. I don't have to think about putting costume together, you know. So that's been really nice. Um, at the same time, I do miss, you know, some of the hecticness of it. But it can get chaotic. Um, so I have loved that it's, you know, given me that reflection time, you know. To come up and come up with some new fresh ideas, and I've you know I've written some stuff down and put some stuff together that has come up that I'm like, hey, I can try that. Yeah, and stop me if I'm wrong, but the way you're describing like how you get ready and and the process you go through, like we've heard before that sometimes even though you're you're doing what you love, because obviously if you didn't love it, you wouldn't spend two hours transforming yourself from a man, a very felt and attractive man, mind you, oh, to well, thank into you. you know like this persona um chrysanthemum but is it is it kind of like getting ready for battle like you just you know you're <laughs> out there you're putting on your face your war paint and you're just you're going out there you're doing what you're doing you're beating back and i'm gonna go slay the dragon <laughs> yes yeah it, it, it definitely is mm-hmm. you know you, you do put that armor on um it's more it's not like armor like i'm trying to protect myself from something it's more that you know, I'm presenting this character, you know, so the whole process is part of, you know, as, you know, as I go from transforming from Glenn to Chrysanthemum, you know, it's that whole time is that transformation, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's that character is slowly coming together, you know, and it, it really happens when the wig goes on. Cause I look at myself in the mirror and the face is on and everything's ready to go. And I'm like, She's not quite there, and then that wig goes on, and it's like Shazam! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh, so is that why when you get out on stage before your number, you you put your ass out into the crowd you're presenting? <laughs> yeah. Got it. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Now, speaking of Shazam, one of the things we always are curious about is any any particular geeky influences, and they don't have to be comic book. They don't have to be I mean, whatever you think. And I know I already know one of them, but I'll let you talk about it because we share that particular. Uh, 
British uh, obsession. Actually, all uh, of us in here share yeah, that particular British obsession. Damn straight. Um, That's right. But but other than Doctor Who, which you know, what other geeky influences on you do you have now or when you were younger? Or? Well, growing up, as we talked about, um, some of my early days in drag, um, we used to play Super Friends in the neighborhood. Oh no. So of course I always had to be Wonder Woman. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I I got my mom's red lipstick and I would run around the neighborhood, you know, just playing Wonder Woman, twirling around. Oh my gosh, that's great. So, you know, there's six guys and I'm the only one willing to play the female part. So, (laughs) it's mine, all mine. I didn't even have to audition. That's right. Uh, To be young again. Yeah, really, just to run around and play games like that. But I, my my whole life is a geek hood, so it's I have lots of geek influences in my life. Yeah, the sci fi thing is interesting because uh, it's very people who've not seen Chrysanthemum. It's very it feels very like fifties sixties era inspired, and that's an era that had such great science fiction in television yeah. and on uh, in the big screen. Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. Mm. I mean, yeah, and it and it. And now it looks just so it looks so classy, and even though it's very dated from that period, there's a part of it that's just very timeless and and just ah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, the the geeky influence is something we're, we're interested in, but you know, are there any other things? You, you said your mother was a big influence on you, like oh, she was huge, like yeah. just the way she carried herself and the and you said wigs and right. Well, my mother was British, so that's where I get a lot of the oh, British okay. from. Um, but she grew Brian's up. Brian's so envious right now. The, I just I'm he's finding a way to travel you know, back through time that. and break one of the three laws of magic so he could take your that. place. I, I, I do like I'm a little anglophile. I would love to have traveled back in time and seen my mother because my mother was in you know in her youth it was the late 40s and early 50s in in England, oh. you know post World War II and that's she had just met my father and there and because he was a a Navy man, so. Um, but I mean, she she was stunningly beautiful, and she was a ballroom dancer, and oh, wow. you know, um, had a very high society life over there um, before she she came to the states. Mm-hmm. You know, my father whisked her away from it all. So um, yeah, she was she was she was a glamazon for sure. <laughs> you know, no, this is that wall. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh. But she she got to see me perform um, before she passed away, oh, and. Good. Um, you know, she, um, her style, like I said, her style and, and her womanhood was very much an influence on me and, and how, you know, I present myself as Chrysanthemum. So I have lots of her dresses still and costumes from the 60s. Oh, that do you I, use that them? I wear? Yeah. yeah awesome. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I That's can still great. fit in them. So I love it. So, yeah. And I love that your name also is Chrysanthemum, but it's Chrysanthemum. And mum is sort of that Britishism in that name too. Mm. I like. Oh that. yes, I never thought about that her. in connection to your your family. No. It was serendipitous. It was true. Not like serendipity that movie. Everyone no. loves that movie. But I was just mm-mm. could not do it. I'm just like I'm bored. Is it over yet? <laughs> I want my six dollars back. <laughs> and these are the odd tangents we go on during these episodes. Right. Mm. I apologize. Four hours later, we edited it down to two because of Oral's tangents. <laughs> <And> just, um, <laughs> I'm non sequitur. Everybody knows that. So, obviously, like drag brings a lot of joy to your life. 
or I may be projecting and you just do it for the almighty dollar. But oh, yeah. What? Literally, literally so the well. almighty dollar. That one dollar really? that gets handed to you. Or I'll have you over to my mansion, you know, here. <laughs> so the, the, because, you know, I'm, I'm just raking it in. I've only so, driven through Windermere you know. before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got my own island. So. Uh, what I want to know is what for you or what do you think is the most difficult part of drag? Because, you know, from the audience perspective, you're presenting this idea, um, once again, like this persona, this character that, you know, you fashion or, you know, any drag queen fashions. Mm -hmm. And it seems so polished or unpolished, you know, depending on what they're trying to convey. But like on the opposite side, like from the stage down, like what do you think is the most difficult thing that, you know, makes it so drag isn't always for everyone? Well, I can't sew for shit, so costuming for me is is one of my personal difficult challenges. Which is the question so, I wanted to ask. So, okay. <laughs> so that that's that's one of my personal difficulties. Um, but as as far as overall drag itself, um, that constant challenge to be original and creative, you know, and always presenting something new, because um, I do not like to repeat my shit. Mm. You know, I'm, I'll do it a couple of different venues once or twice, but you will very rarely see me do the same number like at Stonewall twice. Yeah, I've never seen you do the same number twice. You know, so, I, it's very rare. I will say and name shall remain nameless, mm. but there have been times where I'm just like, "Ooh, I'm so excited to see this show. And, you know, like you're standing <laughs> or you're sitting, depending on where you are. Which level of theater? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then they come out just like, okay, what do they do? Oh no, not this number again. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my drink's a little <laughs> empty, yeah. and I would like to dance some more. So, girl, we're leaving. <laughs> we're about it. Girl, she's done this a million times, yeah. and she takes it off, and there's a big reveal, and there's nothing but tassels. Come on, oh. <laughs> yeah. And a long you never have like to worry about that at one of my shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. You get a lot of your inspiration from your mother and, you know, like you're influenced by like sci-fi and and like the golden era of Hollywood. But where do you get like what is the process for brainstorming like new ideas? Like how because, you know, I I've been trying to dabble in in stand up in drag, but we'll get there. It's a long, arduous journey of I don't want to look busted, but I know I'm going to look busted. And um like, as soon as I sit down to, like, write a joke, it just dies. It yeah. withers and dies in my mind. And there are tumbleweeds, and it's a dust bowl, and I'm reenacting all 800 pages of The Grapes of Wrath. Like, Kids, don't do this at home. I get drunk and high. And oh, okay. Well, I'm halfway <laughs> you know, there. So the synapses start, you know, firing off, and then, you know, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So... I, I want to be a creative person who just gets. I know. I'm, I'm lots of poppers. <laughs> lots of poppers. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when you wake up in the morning, you need a little pick me up, so you reach into your drawer. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Oops, wrong bottle. No. Oh. Been there, done that. Had the chemical burn. <laughs> That's a joke, ladies and gentlemen. That's a joke. Mm-hmm. That's what she likes to tell you all. 
You're so hateful. You're so hateful to me. Like an evil. T- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I got something. We, we talked earlier about, and we're just jumping around, but. Lady Bunny recently had uh, talked about uh, the the drag culture being sanitized with the RuPaul phenomenon, and it's funny hearing her say that because she's obviously a big part of that with some of the stuff she's done, and certainly some of the people. Let's be she's real; just, she's mad because she got stuck on drag you instead well, of drag race, you know. But she raises a good point, and I've heard this from other people too, where, like, and you just said, drag is can't, used to be subversive and really sort of counterculture, and now it's popular culture. The good side, like you talked about, was, you know, the fact that younger people are able to come to your shows. And you're especially good about balancing if you have a younger audience or if you need to be more age appropriate, you you do that perfectly. But if you can be blue, then you will be blue. I mean, that's right. just how it works. Do you miss, though, that kind of counterculture element, especially come, you came out of the punk scene, the goth scene and the rave scene, which are all very counterculture. Do you kind of miss it as that? Um, I do a little bit, but as I'm older now and... um. A little wiser, you know. I like that the audience has expanded and, you know, that they're, you know, that people are more accepting, you know. It's it's a little easier, you know. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm fighting as hard as I used to. I don't have to be as, I don't want to say angry about it, but. You're not fighting a revolution. You kind of already have right. won the revolution. Right, but I just don't have to. um be so in your fate, like, you know, I'm doing this for a cause, you know, uh-huh. you know, thing, you know. You're just doing it to do it, not doing it to make a point to, yeah, I got you. Yeah, like, I mean, when I started, I mean, it was, part of it was that, you know, it was subculture, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I was being rebellious, mm-hmm. you know, and I was doing this against society, and I was, you know, mm-hmm. screw the man, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I had I had that very... Rebellious, you know, in my youth. And I don't feel like I have to have that as much anymore. Right. You know, um, which is a little nice. You know, it's nice to feel like for 20 years, you know, I'm finally being accepted for who I am. So I like that. But as far as the sanitation of it, um, I don't know that I definitely agree with that term. I don't like the way that reality TV... um, is produced. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, in a lot of a lot of ways. I mean, there's some good reality TV out there, but um, I think that the way they pit the queens against each other, and I'm I'm competitive. I you know I do pageants, and you know I like 
you know, honest competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that they make people look crazy yeah. on TV and, you know, kind of put you in these situations, you know, where you have to be nasty to each other. Right. You or know. Even a, and a lot of times, I don't even, you know, you can be who you are and then they edit you into a character that yes. they need because they've got the villain, the underdog, the this, the yep. that. Right. And yeah. You can you have the you have to fill a stereotype. So she was her drag her wig was so dry. Yeah. It was so dry. <laughs> Girl, get some oil sheen on that hair. <laughs> but uh, Darian Lake was here for uh, for white party, and I got to talk to her backstage for a little bit, and that was one of the things during one of her monologues. She was like, "I don't know how I got the cunt edit for this season," but and then when we were talking backstage, just you know, her and I. She was, she kind of let it, you know, she was talking about the fact that of how they edit and that they tell her, okay, well, we're going to edit this this way. Just kind of like, okay, well, that's what you're going to do anyway, so go right. for it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things was two separate conversations that they spliced together where it was like, you know, talking about how with Milk, you know, one of the contestants this season, um, she's like, Milk shy, you know, I love it, da da da. But some people probably would just be, I don't get it. And then another conversation was like, da da da, milk safe. And they ended up editing it together to be like, milk safe, I don't get it. So it just made it look like something completely different mm-hmm. right. just to make it look like she was this bitchy ass queen. Now, mind you, I'm sure she had her bitchy moments. Well, we all do. I mean, there's there's definitely no doubt about that. I can be some, one of the well, biggest bitches out there. But Jinx is a good example. Uh, we had interviewed her. And she said that they edited her sometimes to not show her fighting back against other queens who had been attacking her. Right. And it made her look like the underdog and really emphasize how nice she was and all this stuff. And so the opposite, but equally distorting effect. So I absolutely agree with you. I mean, it's entertaining, and there is an element of that that you have to do to some extent. And any documentarian will kind of tell you that, that, right. you know, people give great interviews, but sometimes you have to spice it up with something. something. Mm. Right. So just wait until we edit this. Yes, exactly. Oh, Lord. That skate came in trying to steal my show. You know, I will say this, that I can see, you know, what you're getting at because, you know, even though we all like not all gay men, but a, a, a huge swath of gay men love RuPaul's Drag Race, and I include myself into that. But when it gets nasty, it becomes just like gay blood sport. Yes, and you want to see <laughs> Thunderdome. Yes, by the time, listen to me. Where you gonna run to? Where you gonna go? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it in. Um, all the children say we don't need another hero. Oh gosh. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Um, but I I can see how like that sort of ugliness and that like you know cattiness, while it does you know sell, also gives like the wrong impression because like I've met people obviously through this and through other means who do drag who are quite normal who, you know, aren't always quote-unquote on, and they're like, oh, you know, like, I have this day job, and I do this, or, you know, I really like playing Chinese checkers. And, like, when you when you Please see them keep on- that person away from me. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, checkers but- racist. <laughs> um, but when they go on and perform, it's, it's completely different. And I think sometimes 
Um, especially because, you know, the contestants on Drag Race know that they're always on. They're always on. Right. Like, there's no, you know, showing, oh, you know, this is me when I'm bored and just being goofy. It's no, this is me when I look like I'm cracked out and, you know, I'm just, you, but you're fake, girl. Okay, you're mama. Fake. You're so yeah. fake. Okay. Just because she wears a no smoking sign on top of head doesn't mean that's an act and that she acts like she's on all the time. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, can, I can't be on all the time like that. You know, I have to have, I need my couch. Well, you know, actually, that is a really, that, that just created a very good question in my head. What do you do afterwards? Like, and I don't think I've ever asked anybody that. Like, how do you, because, you know, like, creating chrysanthemum or creating your drag persona takes a lot out of you. And then you're, you're on stage, you're performing. Like, how do you unwind? Like, after, you know, you're done or you've done, like, you know, Comic Queen, like, how do you just say, you know, I'm detaching, I am decompressing, I is it get drunk and high? I feel no, like that's, no, oh, no, 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 no. That's the process that? to get ready. Oh, that's okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. That's the coming. Well, the first thing I do is take a Brillo pad to my face to <laughs> you know. Oh God, scrub everything off. So you know, and, and scrub my body in the night away. You know, because usually I'm in a folks smoke filled dungeon somewhere. <laughs> you know. It's uh I've never seen you perform in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, she would need more than a Brillo pad that, to scrub that, off that, that that dungeon mouse. <laughs> so um sometimes I don't come down. Sometimes it I'm so amped still from the night, you know, and all the energy, you know, that's been around me all night. Mm-hmm. Um it, it does take me a while to unwind, you know, and like, you know. I do, you know, I get out of the shower and put my robe on and, you know, a lot of times I will start because of the energy that I have, I'll start working immediately on the next show because I'm in mode, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm still, still amped up from the show. So my mind is, is, is in that place. So I'll just start writing and working on the next show Um, until I'm like, okay, now I got to pass out. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to be the Barbara Walters of this group, apparently. So we talked about, or we brought up the hiatus earlier. Yeah. So you had to take some time for yourself for the move, had to get yeah. some things into order, to take a little bit of a break, just to kind of get your mental faculties back into check. Um, but I know that there was a little more to that. We briefly chatted about it, and I know you wanted to... Um, use this as a platform to kind of be able to reach some people and and talk about something that was deeply personal to you so i do i do thanks pat um so three years ago um approximately um i was diagnosed hiv positive and i've kept it very private this whole time and i wanted to use um this um as my coming out that because I've realized that there are probably several many people out there who feel the same way I do and I want to you know be a role model and be a voice um, to just let people know that it's okay you can live with this and you know there is there is a stigma that comes with it you know it is out there um, 
but it's not like it was 20 years ago. And um, I, I'm ready to tell the world, you know, I'm HIV positive. Um, it's not so much that I was ashamed of it to tell people. Um, I just needed the time to process it for myself and, and realize. I think the biggest thing, if I was going to say I was ashamed of anything, it's I'm ashamed of the fact that I'm an educated man. And, you know, at 40 years old, um, you know, I contracted HIV um, through sex, through unprotected sex. And, um, you know, I knew what I was doing, you know, um, I allowed myself to be in that situation and it's, it's now something that I have to live with, but then I'm okay. That was, you know, that's what I have to live with. And for anybody else who might feel the same way or be in that same situation, don't be ashamed. You know, we are human beings. We are sexual beings. Um, this is not a curse. This is not, you know a plague on us. It's not the gay cancer. And, you know, because it happened, it happened. You know, being educated or not, it's not something to be ashamed of. And I'm not ashamed of it anymore. And I'm willing to to let everybody know that I'm here and I'm going to start uh, working with some different causes and promoting some different things, um, putting some things together with some friends. To, and I'll, as all that comes together you know I'll, I'll let everybody know well the the one good thing that i know and just kind of trying to throw my two cents in there is i know before this you've talked to some of the people especially within um the bar and i think it's safe to say that there's been no change in any of our attitudes towards you which is you know i think the biggest thing that people need to realize is that yes it is tough to wrap your head around i mean when you when you find out your whole world changes. It has to change because if it doesn't, you're you're going to let the disease win. Right. So in the long run, though, once you've gotten to that point and if it takes you a month, if it takes you six months, a year, whatever the case is, you need to realize that people aren't going to – not everybody. There may be some fucking idiots out there that want to have that stigma that are in your life and, and shun you because of it. But – the people who are truly supposed to be in your life, the people who are truly your friends, aren't going to care. They're going to want to know that, one, you're taking care of yourself, and, and two, that you know you live a long, happy, healthy life because we want you to around with us. Mm. You know? yeah. And the other big thing is just make sure that you get tested. I mean, that's knowing your status is, is huge. Absolutely. You know, and that's... Um, I would always, you know, get tested... You know, every six months, once a year at least, um, up until this. And so, you know, I found out, you know, I'm I'm assuming fairly early on in my, you know, and all my medications now, I'm undetectable um, as far as my viral load and all my cells and my health. My health is very good, you know, but I, you know, yes, I do drink, you know, and partake in, you know, extracurricular activities from time to time. I mean, well, uh, if you can't you drink know, or do extracurricular, right, you know, but I'm not. You know, I'm not going crazy, and I eat. I eat very well. Um, you know, I'm able to work. I'm able to live. You know, and fortunately, a lot of these new drugs, you know, there's very little side effects, um, fortunately. So, you know, I'm very blessed in my life for that. Um, one of the things that 
kind of stuck in my head um, when I first found out um, when I came out to my dad, um, who was a military man and was very, you know, trying on me at the time to, to have to come out to him. Um, and one of the first things he said to me was, you know, don't get AIDS. So now he's, he's been gone, um, 20 years. And, uh, but that was when, you know, I got the news. Um, that was one of the first things that, that came to mind was that, you know, and I'm like, sorry, dad, I did, (laughs) you know, but it's, you know, I think that that's kind of what stuck with me, you know, that psychological, you know, but it was such a different thing back then where him saying that to you basically was don't die. Right. You know, and well, and that's the thing is I, I remember from, you know, when I first came out, you know, it was 1989, you know, and I remember, you know, I'm just starting to go to the bars and come out and meet people and, you know, you would meet somebody and then you'd find out like two weeks later that they were gone, you know, yeah. and it's, it was crazy back then. Yeah. And I can, I can imagine like your shock and, and thank you for sharing your story with us because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's something that affects so many people, um, and it cuts through every social strata. It cuts through, you know, every, every, you know, race, creed, and color. And it's still something that people are reluctant to talk about. And it's because, you know, you face stigma and you right. have to face this fact that, you know, you now have to deal with something that, you know, for lack of a better term, is a burden. And you can either rise to the occasion, which you obviously have, you know, through the process of coming to accept it and and learning what you can do to, you know, to stay as, you know, happy and healthy as you possibly can. And it's, I know, I understand that it's, it's very difficult. And, you know, there, there are, you know, people of all ages that are being affected by this disease. And, you know, it always seems like you're the only one. And, you know, I've had some friends who think they're the only one. And every time someone says, you know, it's me too, it's incredibly powerful. And, you know, you know, you say you have been blessed, but I think that you truly are a blessing to other people because it takes a lot of courage to one, you know, come out and say, like, I am gay. It takes a hell of a lot more courage to dress up and drag and say, I am a gay man. And, you know, I dress up uh, up as a woman, but it takes some gall and just an incredible strength that you demonstrate so effortlessly from, you know, the outside looking in to say, you know, I am a gay man. I am HIV positive. And while it's not ideal, like I am okay, And that's fantastic. Right. You know, one of the things that struck me several months ago, um, there was an article um, I believe in Watermark Magazine about a young man who was going to a, um, I forget the term they used, but basically it was get HIV party, you know, catcher. you know, a conversion party, chaser. a conversion party. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about, you know, that it was like um, ripping off a band aid. You just want to get it over with. And I'm like, how can you even think that way? 
how could you know? I mean, these are people who weren't around and when it first came out and saw right. so many of their friends yeah. and family die. They they're so ca- there is right. a generation that is so cavalier about it that it, it you need to have more of a voice. Not to say and I'm that like you, don't don't yeah. do it. <laughs> you just I mean, want to tell people if you're thinking that if you are out there thinking you just want to do it and get it and get it over with. You know, don't, you know, because, you know, you do have to be on very costly medicines yeah. for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's, I want to catch diabetes. No one goes out and says that. that. I know. So why would you go out and say, I want to catch like eight ice cream sundaes one night? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, don't yeah. Know. I read that same article and it just floored me. It, it just floored me. It absolutely floors me. And that's kind of what started my change is like. Why would somebody want to purposely get uh, a disease that is going to ravish your body, you know, that you're going to have to be on these meds for the rest of your life? And it's very costly, Mm -hmm. very costly. And, yes, we have wonderful programs out there that that help, but it is still extremely expensive, you know, and it's it's not just the – monetary cost it's what it costs psychologically and emotionally and physically to your body you know so i just i don't understand it and if you're thinking that don't please you know use a condom it's not that horrible i hate them but you know (laughs) that's what got me in this situation so (laughs) i'm learning i'm learning to live with them (laughs) well and we actually know some people that are in um relationships where one partner is positive and one is negative and mm. there are steps that you can take there are, are there are some medications which again it's very costly but um there are ways to go about being in a relationship or or being you know being able to live your life as is and not have to worry about those things um charlie harding who we've interviewed and we're friends with uh, his, you know, his partner is positive, and he's not, and they live a an extremely happy, extremely fulfilled life. Um, they actually, you know, there's been a lot of articles. There's been a lot of talk about bareback porn, you know, industry and, and all these Char- things. Charlie and, Harding is, you know, an adult film star. Yes, he's a porn star, very attractive. <laughs> um, but you know, like he is in a relationship where they're uh, Sarah Com- discordant. Um, I, I couldn't remember the word. That's yeah. what I didn't say. Science. Damn you, Rollins. You, you did, did nothing for me when I needed you. Um, but Should have gone to Valencia. Oh, <laughs> tell me about uh-huh. it. Um, but, you know, like Pat says, like there are, you know, ways to, you know, prevent the, the spread of the disease. There are ways to, to live, you know, a, a somewhat normal, if not completely normal life. Yeah. You know, you just have to take a, a few extra precautions. Like, I have friends who are in those relationships. Well, and I was. Mm-hmm. I was in a relationship for almost nine years um, where he was HIV positive and I was negative. And I didn't get it from him. I got it afterwards, mm-hmm. after our breakup. And I went, you know, on my, you know, sexual craze that I went on and went, you know, freestyling all over town. So. <laughs> you were I'm a rapper? <laughs> I'm hearing 80s music behind you as you go around town. I don't, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Funky Cole Medina. <laughs> um, you talked about like the, you know, the stigma that's out there. Have you experienced it? And you know, like you, 
Well, not yet, because most people haven't known. Yeah. So I'll let you know. Well, well, I, I was going to say, because, you know, like you're you're using, you know, this platform. P.S. Th- thank you for once again sharing your story and deciding that we should be the ones that help you. Girl, I'm sorry about that. Could you do no better? Uh, but like, you know, people will, will make comments and not know like who's around them. Um, and so like, have you, have you kind of felt like that? Oh, like that peripheral, like, Oh, I know that I'm a part of this community and you know, they may not know that I, I am HIV positive, but I can really see like the discrimination. Um, um, fortunately, in my community, you know, in my circle of friends and everything, I have not seen that. And that's amazing. You know, um, I have to say, if if I were to see anything, you know, I would be forced to speak up and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, because there's ignorance all around. And, you know, it's it's plain and simple, you know, and I will challenge anybody who tries to say anything ignorant um, in the way of, you know, anybody against anybody with HIV. Cause mm. It's just wrong. It's, you know, it's a disease. It's, 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 there's nothing, you know, you don't hear people going around, oh, that person has cancer. Oh, my God. They, you know, stay yeah. away from them. Don't have sex with them because they have cancer or, you know, things like that. And mm. it's, you know, HIV is the only, you know, disease out there that's like that. You know, where they will do that. And I know with so much, you know, out there, like, you know, we have Grinder and, you know, all these other, you know, areas, hookup sites now and things like that. The virtual bathhouses? Yeah. Yeah. Virtual bathhouses. I I mean, that's what it is. That is actually, you know. And, you know, I have seen through that um, a lot of stigma with, Mm. you know, people that have talked to me, you know, with their status. Um you know, where they've been blatantly turned down, you know, on those sites because of their, their status. So, you know, I think it's, it's the sexuality of it is is where the stigma is Mm -hmm. mostly, you know, it's really like weird to me because it sometimes comes across as like a line in the sand and like you have the sharks and the jets and never (laughs) the twain shall meet. Mm -hmm. Until they get into a brawl, oh. but then one of them falls in love with somebody else from the other and side then, of the tracks, yes. and it's all like West Side That's Story. Right. But um, no, I I can see that. I think you know, with education and with more people saying, you know, like I I am HIV positive, you know, or I'm in a relationship with an HIV positive person, and I have not contracted it at all. Like I think. Um, as education continues and it's an ongoing process, like we will come to a point, hopefully like within, especially within my lifetime, I'd like to see in the next like five to 10 years, but not that I'm going to burn out like a teensy fly, but I'd like to see it not vilified. Like it's, it's, you know, something that you have to deal with. It is not always pleasant, but at the end of the day, you're still a person, right. a fantastic person who's incredibly smart and talented and deserves to be treated like a human being and not like a goddamn leper. Right. And I think the community has become 
not just our community like around Stonewall or whatever, but I think the communities in general have become more accepting of this. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think that's part of it. Again, that we've come so far. Oh, people do see it more like diabetes or cancer yeah. or something that is, well, maybe not even like cancer, just diabetes, where it's a chronic illness and right. it can be treated. So I'm sorry. Sometimes I get really militant about your <laughs> fun. No, no, it's good. And, and, and you know, it's this good. is good yeah. for our younger listeners and our straight listeners because they don't often get this kind of insight into that right. community. Yeah. So and, and if there's stuff that you don't know, I mean, there's resources everywhere, um, you know, obviously online. You know, educate yourself about it, mm-hmm. you know, learn about it. And um, because I'm sure I guarantee you that you have a friend out there that you don't know. Yep. is probably. Positive mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Because they're keeping it private. So. And if anything, if, even if you're a straight person, if you go to, you know, the LGBT center, we give away condoms. Oh, my God. We're constantly. Don't ever pay for condoms them. ever again. No, there's a no reason. GLBT center or whatever in your community. Um, go to a gay party. Go to a gay bar. Stonewall's got a big jar full of them. Usually, I mean, it's like whatever. Yeah, we went to Bear Bus this week or Bear Bear Bus Bear um, Beach Bear Weekend. Condoms in every little bag and value pack and bar and every. It's okay, good, and that's good. That's good. Mm. Absolutely. Anytime I have to pay for condoms, I am livid. <laughs> Just livid. And I think to myself, really, girl? Right. Really? You How couldn't p- grab a pocket full mm-hmm. on the way out? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I have two questions, and I think like that would bring us to a logical conclusion. And I always like to ask, unless I've, I've had a little too much to drink and I forget, <laughs> um, say there was a certain, well, certain gentleman certain gentleman who has been called you know like dramatic or you know has a flair for the limelight and is interested in drag what is the one piece of critical knowledge that you could pass on that one nugget that says if someone had told me this early on in the game I would have been a lot further on than I am today be yourself. Be true to who you are. You know, whatever. Because it's an art. It's your art form. It's mm-hmm. your own personal, you know. I'm a performance artist, you know. And, you know, I choose how I present myself, you know. And it took me a while. I used to think I had a split personality, you know. Mm-hmm. I had these dual lives. But I found out that, you know, one is just the vessel for the other. Okay. You know? That's really me. I've never, I never thought of it. That right. Way. You know, that, you know, I always thought that Chrysanthemum was my creative outlet, you know, and she was the creative side of me, you know, but really I found out that Glenn is the one who's creating Chrysanthemum and Glenn's the one, you know, making this happen, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all within me. So, um, you know, I'm not this personal United States of Tara here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, uh, you know, just just let yourself be. Don't don't be scared of it. You know, and don't don't let other people's judgment because you will be judged in this genre mm-hmm. by society. You know, especially gay society. You know whether you're good or bad or do it for yourself because you love it and you want to do it. And I think my, my second and final question is, um, 
what life lesson would you like to impart to just anyone you know not even those of us who may be you know striving towards one day putting on some heels which i can already walk in thank you oh good (laughs) um but just life knowledge in general that you want to you know pass along to the children practice 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 okay whatever it is you do practice and you know learn it be it you know it's kind of the same thing you know find your passion in life and and practice it and uh be kind be kind to your fellow man well at least i got practice 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 down I was going to say, I don't know about that other one. You you need to practice, practice, practice that other one. Um, mm-hmm. With that, Chris Anthem, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Oh, this thank has been so awesome. Yay. Yay. I'm sorry so, I drove this you, train Brian over and Pat. <laughs> Not a problem. We wanted you on the show from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad we finally did it. I'm sorry. Flame on, everyone. Yay. <laughs> uh, um, and with that, everyone, thank you for joining us for Dragons and New Spandex. I was your host, Oral, other people help me with this. They're mm-hmm. not important. Mm-hmm. And um, where can we you will... find us? Oh, oh, I know all of those things. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook at Flame On. Just search us, like us. We really need your likes. We need likes. Mm-hmm. Feel free to post on our wall. We always see it. Thank mm-hmm. you all for making sure that our latest post did like a hundred percent better than normal. <laughs> um, I love getting those notifications. Uh huh. It's it just puts a stocking in my love feather in my cap it's validation okay yes it is validation um also you can email email us any of us our first names brian or oral at flameonshow.com mm-hmm. i got that mm-hmm. um we are available on itunes because we're fancy mm-hmm. oh you, leave us reviews i want to see more reviews because please god that actually does send to help somehow i don't know the mm-hmm. magic of itunes but it does help so i would love to see some reviews good or bad yes um, we are also on Twitter at Flame On Podcast because Flame On Show was taken. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't Somehow. taken. Oh, it wasn't right. taken. That was I a just great thought confusion. we were just going to be at Flame On Podcast. And then uh, FlameOnShow.com. We are online. We are on the internet. And YouTube now. And YouTube for mm-hmm. Eric and that one video the- with Ben Delacrum. So, uh, with that, everyone, thank you for joining us. We don't know when we're doing the next episode. You know us by now. But stay tuned for the next microsode and full Flame On cast recording, which we still don't know when that will be. But it'll be soon. And with that, everyone, thank you thank and you. good night. Good night. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast. 
or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 